0: All right. Now we will start the official show. No, wait. Is, am, I, am I still echoey? I might be still echoey. I mean, yeah. um,
1: it doesn't seem to be. I think it's just when you and I are talking at the same time and it doesn't seem to be.
0: Okay. Cool. Well, then, welcome to another Flow Forward. Hello. I'm Rob. That's Catrice. Hi, Catrice.
2: Hey,
0: Kev here. Hi, Kev War. Hey. Hi. Hi. get a little, little more enthusiasm, a little more like, hey, I'm Kev War.
2: I like, like role playing games and stuff.
0: That is
1: never going to happen.
2: And
0: Mark's here. Hi, I'm Mark. I like role playing games and stuff. See? Be <laughs> more like Mark, Kev There you go. <laughs>
1: That never works when you tell (laughs) that to kids. That just makes them better.
0: No, that's true. That's true. Don't 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 be like don't just be yourself. That's the lesson here. That's the end of the show. Yeah, we can't really go up there unless you be Batman.
1: Then be Batman.
0: Is it National Donut Day? Yeah, Sabrina just let us know that it's National Donut Day. Um, I had donuts earlier. No, wait, did I? There were some donuts in the house at some point in the last week that I ate. So I'm going to count those.
2: Good Uh, job, I guess.
0: Well, there usually aren't donuts in the house. It's it's an anomaly. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Why were they here? Oh, right, because Mel had breakfast with a friend that was in from out of town. Okay. Love that mystery. Well, forward. We're talking about conflict in tabletop role-playing games.
2: Tonight, yep, or and specifically modeling it, which I guess we didn't specify. Speak up! I, uh, I can't hear you. Oh, and specifically modeling it, which I don't think we specified, uh because talking about conflict in tabletop RPGs as a broad concept is probably something that could go on literally forever. So, I feel like the intent was talking about design. Uh, like, designing for it. Is this correct, Catrice?
1: Yeah, I was mostly thinking about the idea of, like, you know, when you... There's a lot of games that model, you know, the obvious conflict, like, combat! Like, oh, there's plenty of uh, details you can put in about, like, your chance to hit or stuff like that with a weapon. But that's not the only kind of conflict, because it's like, okay, well, you can have a game without con combat but you can't really have a game without conflict because there has to be something that you're doing because like i was thinking about it and i was like oh anything that i came up with is like there's always some sort of conflict like there's something wrong that has to be resolved somehow like if there's nothing to resolve then it's there's not really a whole lot of game is there
0: there's okay so i believe i haven't actually picked up and tried any of these but there's a couple of games i can think of that uh tout being very low conflict or e- even none um what was the one that just that just did a big thing on kickstarter was it it's called wander uh, okay
1: explain why first for like tout and then wander like what would these be with, with the conflict aspect
0: I, I'm not a hundred percent sure. Uh, there's, but there are some, and then um, Wanderhome—that's the one. Thank you. Let me see if I—I'm gonna look that up because, yeah, this is the one. Let's Throw that on the stream right this
3: there. Is the camp? No, no, that's a different one.
0: No, same guy though. Right. j Dragon. Yep. Hey, yeah. Uh, and this is about traveling the way the seasons change. Uh,
1: yeah, it's still a type of conflict, though.
0: No dice, no masters. Each of these playbooks need a radically different approach to navigating the setting and growing. So, there's growth, uh, there's no dice. You can inconvenience yourself or step outside your comfort zone in order to get tokens and turn around spend those tokens to tackle larger problems and make the world a a better kinder place okay so there are problems okay so yeah that
1: is definitely a fun conflict like if if there is nothing to improve you could have no conflict like there has to be you're improving the world then the world has some sort of conflict that needs to be resolved
3: Oh, yeah, I think that's the natural driving force towards storytelling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not, some...
1: like, a problem or anything, I'm just saying. Like, this basically boils down to the whole man-versus-nature thing, at the very least.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's that's not a bad thing. Like, there there has to be something that you're trying to, to solve, or there's some sort of problem that needs to be dealt with. As if there's nothing wrong there's it's like okay we're we're not going to improve because everything's already perfect we're Mm -hmm. not going to deal with any problems because there aren't any Mm
0: -hmm.
1: like okay so what part of this involves a game like even if you look at like The most extreme forms I can think of, which would be things like, you know, pure improv role playing, like something Mm -hmm. like Whose Line Is It Anyway? They still put conflict in all of their games. Like, there was always something that they had to do. You could technically call those role playing games, but it was still something like, okay, you are at a you're going to do like a dating agency, but you have like the lowest expectations possible or something like that. Like that's that's still a form of conflict in a way, it's just a weird one with your own uh, your own perception at that point. But, yeah.
3: Cam, Cam is bringing up a, an interesting game I don't think I've heard of before, uh, Free Market
0: yeah i i recall that um i it came in a box set uh let me see if i like, can find it a picture of it but it was a who was it luke crane did it i feel like it's somebody i know I know this guy yeah that's the one card-based mechanics right yeah okay I remember I remember there being a box set and I don't remember m- much about oh here's an unboxing let's just give this guy some clicks here you go yeah
3: so apparently Luke Crane. And it was
0: Luke Crane okay yeah. So yeah, uh, okay. There's some burning wheel iconography. I can see. I, I noticed some stuff there. Okay.
3: So yeah, this it's interesting. It sounds like this game is um, in a an environment with like um, unlimited resources and sort of infinite time. Um, mm-hmm. So they've they've gotten past this. Uh, what's it called? It's post scarcity sort of right. state um so it's what do you do in this case uh and i guess that in itself is a kind of conflict it's a conflict of uh more of an existential like nature of what what is the point or what what would you spend your time in doing right uh, but i don't know would you guys consider that to be it a is... game that involves conflict
0: i mean go ahead sorry go ahead oh it does. i just no. wanted them to... I, I just wanted to make a sorry <laughs> so just I go right
1: ahead. I, I, can, I can wait.
0: Not a problem. <laughs> no, no, no. I was just going to make the joke of this. It, it, it's the um, free market is essentially like the end game stage of D&D technology where it's nobody. There's no sickness, death, or, and it doesn't matter. Like everything's just fiat. Like there's just, everybody has wish spells on demand because that's the level of the technology. And it's just this crazy Anything it, goes, it doesn't
1: setting. actually seem to be
0: scarcity. That's the actually, idea, right?
1: Just because it's theoretically post scarcity, um, you're still notice like one of the things that he said about it very, very clearly. Uh, don't worry though, as long as your flow is positive and there's the conflict there, mm-hmm. your basic needs are accounted for. It's like, okay how do you maintain that your flow is positive because that is central to like what a conflict would be like what are what happens if your flow like your flow has to be positive not neutral so neutral would be a state of you're not causing any problems you're not like solving any problems either you're just existing this is not good enough if everybody is trying to solve problems or, you know, do something to increase your reputation, you're you're still basically doing something for other people. Like, you are still working for survival. Like, you need to work to live. So, because you need to maintain your reputation, your reputation has to be maintained like just having oh i've done enough work i'm fine for the rest of my life that's not possible within this setup from the sounds of it it actually looks like it would be more work to maintain survival than an actual capitalist society oddly enough
0: Hmm. that's
2: an interesting take on that (laughs) I don't think that's what reputation-based economy means. I don't yeah. think it's quite that I mean, bad. That's,
1: that's what it looks like because like you can't just it's it specifically says as long as the flow of the reputation is positive. So you have to constantly be making more reputation. It's essentially it doesn't matter how much money or credit or you know reputation you've banked in the past. You have to constantly produce more.
0: I mean, I, I, I think your argument makes sense. I just I don't know if it's the case because I don't know enough about the actual game to I don't, I don't you know validate either, or invalidate what you're saying.
1: I've I've never played this game. I haven't heard about it before a few minutes ago, but the way it was yeah. phrased it logically makes sense that there's no other way for that to be, unless it, the phrasing is wrong. <laughs> yeah,
0: okay. Well, there at least are resources to be competed for.
2: Yes, there so, are definitely resources to be competed for, and there is a like, minimum, if if you cannot, if too many people if too many if you have too bad a reputation on Space Twitter, you you no longer live <laughs> you get your basic needs accounted for, is what how I interpreted that. Wow.
1: Your social credit score isn't looking too good today. Hmm. <laughs> I this may not be Twitter, this may be Space China
2: anyway interesting but uh maybe we should start about uh start with positive examples rather than immediately jumping in fluids but i know that's not how we traditionally do things around here so i'm sorry for suggesting it (laughs) kind of it's okay anyway
1: point.
0: Sabrina, Sabrina is trying to trying to keep us on topic by defining conflict. Let's let's let's. I want to read what she said. Uh, a state of play in which the engagement with the game is primarily with the intention of solving a problem, in which a fail state exists. <clears throat> a method of play or medium play within an RPG. Yeah. So what what do you think about that? I I I don't think it's the fail state is necessary. I think, but a result is right the conflict is you're you're trying to determine a or b or c or d100 i don't know d100 chart could be uh but you're trying to determine something
1: i i would specify that there there doesn't have to be a fail state but there would have to be states that are preferable over other states
0: No. no i don't think so i think you can have you can have you can have multiple states of equal like equal narrative valence um that are different and that's a i think that that works um
1: well i don't mean in the sense of objectively better or worse i just mean preferable because like if you have for example two characters who both want different mutually exclusive things. Those things may be of equal value but the conflicts derive from the fact that I prefer this state and you prefer that state and we can't have both states at the same time therefore conflict exists.
3: That's fair. I I suppose it's sort of a uh, the necessity of action towards driving, uh, a desired outcome. Like, I think it's not necessarily that, um, there's failure or, uh, the lack of achieving a desired outcome that needs to exist. It's more like, um, there needs to be action taken towards a goal. That, that is the conflict that it's because in the case of free market it's very much you're you're trying to uh do something i suppose to overcome the conflict of you not needing to do anything <laughs> is what it sounds like to me again i haven't played this game either but uh um, oh. that's what it sounds like so it's more about driving action towards uh an objective
1: mm-hmm. yeah if- If we take it from like, okay, let's step a little bit away from that example and just say if we work with a theoretical utopia, you have absolutely everything you could ever want. You exist. You will be comfortable. You're not going to be happy with that state just because human nature doesn't allow for it. Eventually, that will zero out, that will be your new normal that's not good enough, humans always trend towards their normal state as being slightly disfavorable. There's always room to to improve something somewhere. So if you're doing nothing, well, you'd want to do something. It doesn't really matter what. Like, you'd still want to change the state that you're in in terms for the better. Like, it may not... Mm -hmm. Now, your definition of better may be kind of weird or awkward, but you'd come up with something that you would want to change. So you'd kind of have to uh, go back to what we were saying before. Like, there has to be some state that is being changed. And there would be a state which is preferable to some degree like i would rather be doing something right now rather than doing nothing
3: so it sounds like what we can define here so we have um i guess a, a definition of what we think conflict is um and how it can manifest in games but argus what are some ways that it can manifest in games are there like i know you mentioned combat as the main uh sort of default that exists in a lot of these games but uh,
1: the easiest yeah the easiest way we could describe conflict resolution at the very least right in a lot of games is just okay um there's two really basic ways to do this, one of which is luck-based, basically flip a coin or roll a die, and that can influence or determine solely the outcome of what happens. Or you could just do it solely through role-playing directly without game rules interfering. There's a lot of other ways you could do it, but any kind of conflict, regardless of its nature, could be viewed through one of those two examples and that'll cover the vast majority of just games in general and the kind of conflicts that you get into it's like what even just something like determining what you're going to eat for dinner can be an internal conflict that could be solved with a roll of the die kind of thing
3: Right. So those are, I think those uh, are like you said, the ways of resolving conflicts. I think the getting to like how conflict can manifest itself in the game. Uh, I think that there are a lot of ways to uh, to consider like what could be sources of conflict for characters. Uh,
1: yeah, I answered the wrong question. Sorry. No, it's
3: all good. Um, so yeah, just in terms of when you're designing a game and you have a central premise of what you want to focus your game around. Um, so let's say, for example, you want your game to be about exploration or uh, in, a, in a science fiction setting, so exploring new planets, what would be the sources of conflict that you could find? And I think it would have to do with what your main driving action would be for the players, and that is how do you, how do you uh, can create conflict in this exploration. So, um, it could be the ways that you move or, um, like that players would be able to do that, that main action of exploring, or, uh, if their goal is to be able to encounter these different, um, uh, peoples or like, uh, like Star Trek style, um, that there are a lot of conflicts of being able to resolve peaceful interactions with these different groups or, uh being able to like survey planets for information and, and collecting something. Like there's the goal of what that exploration is, and you can insert conflict in the ways to slow down that goal. You uh,
1: know, while you were talking there, I I came to a bit of a realization there that the exploration question is, is- basically answered by asking another question which is why are you exploring in the first place right because if it's like we are exploring this planet for resources because we need to get off the planet and we don't have the resources to do that or like that kind of answers like what the conflict's going to look like if it's something like we're looking for a new home because our home got destroyed or something more. We're just trying to make like a second home so that if a meteor hits Earth and kills all life on earth, okay, um, yeah, it would be kind of handy if, um we had another planet, so again, this this does determine the kind of conflict. It's not just resources it becomes a matter of self-sufficiency right you'd have to build this new colony so that okay if we don't get any more uh, any more stuff sent from earth because earth exploded for some reason we're going to have to be able to produce everything we need by ourselves how do we do that like any type of exploration, like any type of construction or building or anything that you do in any game, it's really going to come down to why do you need to do this in the first place? And that will define what the conflict is. Or at least well, that, you the know. start of the conflict, anyway. Like you can add other factors, like, oh, we ran across. Aliens. Whoops. They don't want us uh, stealing their stuff. That's bad.
3: Yep, that's that's exactly it. I think it's always tying back to what the central action or premise is and how to drive that forward.
1: Mm.
3: So, uh, maybe kavar or Rob. What are ways that you've thought about incorporating uh, conflict into your
0: games? Um. Well, so I so Ashes is trying to model conflict at at least four levels of resolution. So there's the the standard conflict of individual versus individual or or group of individuals, right? That's the your normal. When you think of a conflict in RPG, generally that's what it looks like. Um. There's a PC, there's some NPCs, there's a conflict, or there's a PC versus PC and that's a conflict, or there's a PC versus uh, uh, like one NPC and his minions, that could be another conflict, whatever. Um, but in Ashes, I also have um, faction to faction conflicts, so group versus group, um, and then w- cluster of group versus environment is another conflict and then self versus self so uh, as as a player you can you have conflicts that are resolved within the character um and then you have conflicts resolved interpersonally and then conflicts resolved at the group level and then conflicts resolved at the world level you know versus group i mean you you're i don't know to the degree that your characters experience those things individually they may they're they're like kind of these sweeping things so it's there's something happening in the background where your actions are contributing to the larger picture but you're not directly you know your thumb is on the scales but you're not really tipping this yeah that's i'm trying to figure out a way to put it your your influence matters but it's not the only thing that matters if I could put it like that. Um, so, what what I'm trying to put so like the how I try and model that is I have to have like a consistent um, way of interacting with a uh, a conflict across these different resolutions, and then also across different modes of interacting with the conflict. So. Um, you know usually those are 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 come look like skills right or actions or um however the player wants to narrate their character doing the cool thing is their preferred mode of resolving the conflict generally speaking it from for ashes the way i th- it's hmm. because you have a necessarily bigger toolkit there's this kind of thing where you can throw a lot of resources at a problem if you really want to solve that problem and sort of um bowl it over but the central conflict in ashes is really that there's too much stuff to do like there's too much going wrong
3: Mm
0: -hmm. and In some sense, I'm asking the players to pick what they're going to let. Like what they're they're going to what 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 bad things they're going to allow to manifest in the world. And then, you know, you have to deal with those things. But there's, you know, a number of things that you're heading off at the same time. Um,
1: I would actually say that in Ashes, the biggest conflict is the characters against what they consider to be the most important thing
0: yeah it's it's against yeah it's the characters it, it,
1: their own values right really.
0: yeah right it's it's the characters forced to express their values by by asking the players what these traits lead people towards like in like how how do how do how do the, these kinds of experiences push a person towards a certain result
3: It's really interesting. I, uh, I I think it's really interesting to consider like these different vectors of how you'd insert conflict or where you would look to consider conflict in your design of your game. Um, and I think it's um, it's interesting that I don't know combat seems to be the thing that so many games have defaulted to. And I think there is an element of it being like action packed and fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's sort of the highest escalation of a conflict, or it, it's sort of the like if you had these conflicts of of self versus self or self versus others, usually they end up like they result in uh, like the de- the downgrade, the slow decline or the slow um, I don't know build up I guess of that conflict leads to fighting yeah tension like
1: oh keep in mind that a lot of these games are either science fiction or fantasy and the nature of these things tends to be that we take it to the most extreme form so it's like if if you are doing high fantasy then it's like well of course it's going it's not just going to be oh, we get into a little skirmish, it's like, no, this is going to be a full-blown war. This is going to be, yeah. like, extinction-level events. This is the end of the world. It might be the end of the very universe. Like, that's usually where these things go pretty quickly. It's, it's, <laughs> not, it's not just yep. conflict. It's, like, the ultimate conflict. right? It, or at, at the very least, it's it's a romanticized view of conflict.
3: yes mm-hmm. absolutely
1: so I, I think that is actually kind of important to why so many of these games actually do default to combat itself. It's not the only option there are, there are definitely lots of other options, but it's like even if you have a game that looking at say conversations the conversations that are probably going to come up the most often are arguments rather than just the calm rational discussion
0: yeah so this is a point this is a point i i want to make broadly because it's it's one that um uh i i've categorized so like the what Players are after in these moments is not. I mean, it, conflict is the. I'm sorry, not conflict. Combat is the most clear example of what I'm about to describe. But Kat, you are talking about ex- another form of what I'm about to describe, and that's kinetic narrative. That's the narrative, like narrative where it's where every where it gets more granular, right? Because time is going a little slower. More things are described in greater detail because, like, the details really matter, right? So it's like. When the conflict is really heated up, you care about hit points because it really matters who goes down first and like who like where that push starts to happen, right? In an <laughs> argument, you really care where where who's got the edge in the argument or that one piece of evidence, or um, right. you know, you're looking for that that the edge over the uh over the thing in the conflict. And that's that's that moment of kinetic narrative where it's not. You're not simply narrating what happened next and going like, okay, and then broad stroke this and and then this happened and then in the next hour this happened. It's like no, no, no. This is second to second, like what's happening now, you know. In in and that looks like combat in most games. And there well, are other games where it's I like um like Fate does it just fine, right? Fate takes that that conflict and makes it can turn it into um, can make a kinetic narrative out of an argument. Uh, this
1: right is how okay. humans are actually built though like that that mm. is not just psychology that's also physiology like the thing mm. that you described like time, adrenaline time yeah. slowing down It—it mm-hmm. it is an adrenaline response time literally seems to slow down your brain processes information quicker it records everything because it's like if i live through this there might be something important that makes sure that I live through it again in the future so I should record everything and that's not how your brain normally works Mm -hmm. It usually throws out like 95% plus of everything that you see everything that you hear it just chucks it out and it's like well it's not important that's why most of your life can be broad strokes of well I didn't do anything up until this point or I was just playing a game or then I had, like, I built a shed and then I had lunch and it's like, no, you did like 17 things in between those two things. You just don't remember them because right. it wasn't important, right? You rem- you focus on the important things, the things that may actually matter
0: right so, And in and in a moment of that kinetic narrative when adrenaline is up everything you don't know what's going to matter in the next 2 seconds so you're trying to do everything and that's and that's where trauma comes from roughly speaking yes. because you can't forget it that's the whole like you know it's the mechanism right but like that's it's the good too yeah
1: it, it is it is the source of trauma but it's also mm-hmm. the source of like most positive things as well yeah. it, it's Agreed. like this is the turning point where interesting Mm -hmm. things are happening and where you learn stuff um actually i think my favorite definition for experience is that which you acquire just after you needed it most (laughs) and it's a really good descriptor of
0: it but
1: it's it's like yeah it's like until you've actually gone through like the worst possible scenario you don't learn really just how badly you need this Mm -hmm. like you may be able to theorize it in in advance or you could watch somebody else go through it but you don't really gain personal experience until you've gone through it and it's like oh that's why i needed that
0: yeah yeah there's a (laughs) lack of there's a lack of um perspective knowledge there right where it's like you don't you can't you can't grasp the perspective you can't truly grasp the perspective of the person going through that even though you can have as you said theoretical knowledge or um procedural knowledge or or or, um you know propositional knowledge uh but you can't like get that perspective um and so you need like you said yeah there's there's, in some sense there's like i hope i never have to engage with that worst aspect of whatever it is but but you don't know you never know so i agree Ken brings
1: up a good point, but I mm-hmm. will argue against it. And <laughs> I, He says, no one goes to the washroom in RPGs. We want to get to the good stuff. I have actually had a character go to the washroom in an RPG, but it was because a, a kobold was convinced that you know dragons breathe fire. Therefore, their preferred form of alcohol must obviously be alchemist's fire in D, &D, so she decided to start swigging it because she was convinced she was a dragon and this led to a washroom trip but it it got to the good stuff because you know
0: (laughs) (laughs) okay like yeah
1: uh yeah but this this basically Got to the good stuff because it was like okay are you going to die why? from this
0: <laughs> why? why why why
3: when why yeah uh, just, to, just to move right along yeah um the uh the thing that rob said that i that really stuck with me was the, the kinetics of the conflict because when i was talking about like how combat is so so much a default it's like Okay, if you were to have a conflict in real life, either with a situation or with another person, the more that conflict drags on, the more I think people tend towards rage and violence. like that is that is the end result. And then you like express that, and usually your your conflict ends at that point. Like, oh, my computer is slow. I punched the monitor well, I have broken the monitor and it's no longer a problem. So mm-hmm. it's maybe a bigger problem, but I, I've done that. So I really like the idea. Confirm. Yeah. I, so I really like the idea of focusing on the kinetics because I think our our uh, real world experiences tell us that fighting is a very kinetic experience, um, and we need to find ways of bringing that to other types of conflicts so that they feel just as exciting. Like I think you could have the the dialogue uh, be enough of a conflict experience that you're able to to engage with it it just needs to be as kinetic or it needs to be as
0: uh visceral visceral in a way granular right. it's actually the, it, the it's the granularity that matters because that's what's perceived as time mm. interesting because because the, the the granularity of like how so that's why D D combat feels more granular than blaze in the dark combat right so, like, there's more time passes in a Blades in the Dark action role, generally speaking, than mm-hmm. than one round of Dungeons & Dragons combat, which is generally six seconds, I think. So, yes. it depends on the edition, but I think, it, it, recently, I think it's been six seconds since, like, third edition, roughly speaking. Yeah, something
1: added. like, they claim it's six seconds. Six seconds is weird in terms of what they're trying to say happens within a six second period. Some things are like, that doesn't seem like it would take place in six seconds. Some things are like, that's a really long time for that action to take place. Right. right. But yeah, yeah. I, I, I get the point. Sorry.
0: Right. So, but no, 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 but, but, the, but it's the granularity. So the, the thing is, is that conversation It's really hard to make a conversation more granular than the conversation being had that's describing the conversation
2: that it sure is a sentence but it's also true yeah of course, of course like uh the i do, oh god pure granularity does not necessarily uh make things greater conflict like Oh uh, got what was I, what was my point here yeah points of the a single points of the dark role represent uh tends to represent more engagement than a round of d and d Ideal, uh-huh. but I forgot where my actual point was there. Well, or maybe it's... just objecting to pure granularity is.
1: Well, like... I, I wanted to ask something to Rob then, mm-hmm. because you played a a large amount of uh, Garp's, right? Mm-hmm. And Garp's is mm-hmm. what, one second one per second. turn. Yeah. So, so did it feel more granular than D and D combat?
0: Oh God, yes. Oh 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 god did it ever it was i mean gurps gurps has like it, it's so it's weird right because it's such a it has it really cares about air quotes realism uh but its combat is completely insane yeah one second to turn yeah yep
1: uh, there's actually another one that you've yeah. made me aware of that I'm kind of interested in that would be even more granular than that. And I know it is more intense than D-Combat, which was Riddle of Steel.
0: Yeah, Riddle of Steel... Yeah, Riddle of Steel takes place in exchanges, which are roughly one or two seconds. But they, but the thing... Okay, so here's how Riddle of Steel does it, and it works. And here's how GURPS does it, and it fails. Riddle of Steel... Um, works because you only have maybe two exchanges in a combat maybe three before something really bad happens to one of the combatants if like it goes longer than that then it's incredibly tense like a real combat like it's like it's like if you have two masters squaring off um and or even two people that are just of equal it it works better if it's two masters, right? Because they have more options, right? Than just they they don't they can't they don't need to just go higher numbers, they can go sideways and do and and fight you on different anyway. The point is you're only gonna have one to three of these things, generally only one. So you're you're actually focus riddle steel focuses on the one second of the exchange that counts, whereas GURPS tracks all the ancillary stuff like how you got close enough to the dude to start hitting him um and all. it's like riddle of steel doesn't care about that stuff real steel cares about like when you're do- doing the dice rolls in riddle of steel it is one or two seconds but you're not that's not moving up to the combat that's the combat narration takes place before that the the sort of the stakes and of the um, context of the conflict are narrated independently of those, that exchange and the exchange happens usually between only two people. Um, so it's, it's not like a round of D&D combat where you have five actors and then however many monsters and they all have, or even GURPS, where it's, where, it is, where it's like that too, where it's like, you have all the players and however many characters and they all take one action. Um, and uh, in of Steel, it's not like that. It's like you narrate up to the point of conflict, conflict happens, then you narrate another point of conflict. So it's um, it, it, it just zeroes in on that moment and then zooms right back out again when that moment's passed. Um, whereas D&D and groups and stuff like that are tracking each segment of those things, like as a, because it wants to keep the, it's trying to mechanize what's happening when, um, when Riddle of Steel is leaving what's happening when more up to the narrative and the agreed upon, the GM sort of like saying, Okay. And then this happens and then, okay, you're over here and your character comes closer to this place and, you know, has the opportunity to fight this guy. Whereas your character's over here and somebody encroaches on you and there's like, there's more narrative. You don't use miniatures and riddle of steel. So positioning is generally a matter of strategy, not tactics. So it, it's focusing on different things. It has a totally different experience. I recommend it strongly to anybody who's interested in RPG combat because it's so it's so different from basically any other system. Uh, and it does what it does really effectively. And then it has a lot of stuff it does not do effectively. <laughs> uh, but the one the, like two things it does really well, like it, it does them better than any other game I've seen, and that's and that's one-on-one combat and. Um, making and motivating characters with mechanical incentive.
1: Those are pretty important things to have at least. Mm -hmm. At least if you're focused on, you know, one-on-one combat.
0: Yeah. If you're doing it, I mean it's good enough that you can kind of you can kind of forgive the game the rest of its clunkiness because it does those two things so well. You know? Mm. Um if you get into the magic system, uh that's that's a whole other kettle of fish. Like that's just like, it's a whole extra. That's a different thing. It's different, completely different. Like to the point where people like, I, I don't know how many different like homebrew riddle steel magic systems I've seen, but it's like, it's, it, it's, it's almost like everybody who's encountered that game and run it and really liked it does their home does their own magic system because it's it's one of those things that the games just kind of like it doesn't feel exactly right for what it is there's there's it it's too exploitable in certain ways um it's uh it it's it tries to be very like conan-ish and sword and sorcery-esque but like the way the math works out it puts it in this weird position where you can math out like the the majority of the downsides and turn pebbles into laser guns. But so.
1: everything's better with lasers. Well and, I know. Anyway, <laughs> to, to get to get back to, to conflict sites though. How does it handle certain other types of conflicts? Let's say a common type of conflict mm-hmm. that usually isn't done very well is like stealth. In a lot of games, like, a lot of games want to include, like, a sort of stealth system, which is a form of conflict. Mm-hmm. But yeah. then a lot of them end up going, like, the D&D route, which is like, oh, this is just a funnel to get you into actual combat.
0: Yeah, that's how it's handled in Riddle Steel. It's it's a skill roll, basically. Uh, uh, and the skill roll is, like, do you do it or not? And then if you don't do it or you do do it, like, how by how much? And, you know, the more you miss it by the worst, the consequences, generally speaking. Um, so it's, 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 it's more, it is a little, it's a little more granular because you're tracking, you're tracking degrees of success and failure, but it's not, it doesn't have, for example, baked into it, anything where you can have a, um, like a, 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 a divergent Result within like cocooned within the, the result you care about. So you, you, there's no way to have like a semi-positive outcome uh, in a failure or a, a negative outcome within a success. Uh, it just it's 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 all one or the, all the other.
1: Like uh, kind of makes so, sense with stealthy stuff. Mm-hmm. Like if it's kind of hard to have a situation where you. You get caught, but you gotta play with what you want, needed and they didn't really notice. Like
0: Well, I think I think this is something that Blaze in the Dark actually handles well because it gives you a number of ways that the stealth check a failed quote unquote stealth check, you get caught, something like that, impacts the crew and your character. So like it could it could raise heat, it could cost you resources, it could um you know it could just be a stress thing you could like just be be shot and then you take a bunch of stress because you resist it and but it it kicks your ass and you're just like oh shit i gotta <laughs> i almost died i'm gonna go indulge my vice and that that's the impact it has on you so there's there's different it, it the the failure quote unquote of the stealth check can come in different vectors, um yeah so so having those things having different ways to impact a character is actually one of those things that makes i guess makes it feel more real because there's more of the character to attack there's there's you know blades in the dark attacks relationships uh and instantiates relationships as well as it attacks like the physical character um so that's something a- extra it can do and another trick it has up its sleeve when you when as the as the uh gm and you want to um you want to impact a failed uh a failed stealth sneak i guess sneak roll and you don't want to you care you don't want to have the story come crashing to a halt and the character be caught or killed or something like that but you're trying to be like oh okay so this is what happens you you make sh- you get in the thing but you actually knock over this lantern and then the building next door catches fire and so like <laughs> now there's all this crap happening around you that's the people are not noticing you at all right but there's now there's a whole thing going wrong and now you have to engage with a different set of obstacles to get out of there and but it has, has nothing to do with you being caught so there's there's i think the more games realize that there's different ways to impact a character besides just um, their physical body, I think that it, 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 you can, mm-hmm. you can have more interesting, more interesting uh, outcomes.
1: Those are usually the more interesting outcomes, too. Because, like, oh, it's like, when we get back to like, we've discussed things like you know, death in games before, like, if your character dies, it's like, that's probably the least interesting thing that could happen to them Mm -hmm. it's like okay what other things can you do to a character that would be more interesting it's almost everything like Mm -hmm. if you scar the character mentally or force them to deal with the fallout of failure that's almost always going to be more interesting than just oh your character died
0: right i think the death is interesting only when it's voluntary and it's in the sense of the the the, the player is volunteering the character i think there's okay no i'm not going to say that that's that's a little too blanket but i think generally speaking generally speaking it's most interesting for the player when they're volunteering their character to die for something they actually care about and they're putting a you know, they're they're planting their character's flag in a sense. And that mm-hmm. that can that you know, having an interesting endpoint is a is a cool character arc. Uh but uh I think the random the random death in combat it in in some sense invalidates the protagonist label because you didn't make it to the end of the story, you know what I mean? It, well, it, it, it's it, not not entirely because like in game of thrones and shit like that it's like yeah they're obviously protagonists and they die halfway through so but that's
1: kind of its defining feature of don't get mm-hmm. attached though and right. that, that's also it's OSR. both.
0: i don't know well
1: it's both a selling point and it's a detrimental point in that it's like oh this is a really interesting storyline i wonder where it goes and then it just stops and it doesn't go anywhere like yeah that is kind of a problem it's like where is this romance going i don't know because they died it's like oh well like like they both died too so it's not going anywhere um i guess it just stops
0: yeah i mean But that's interesting too, right? Because then you tell a story of like how their their death impacted their families. And like now the thing that happened because these two people died. I mean, you just have to zoom to the place where it is interesting. And then you can do something else. But yes, those characters in an RPG, it's different, right? Because that was the essential character to that player. That was,
1: well, that's also usually the end of it. It's like, if you play the characters, siblings and such, like, okay, I'm going to take over their Their place that can be kind of interesting, but only under certain circumstances. In a lot of cases, it basically winds up as oh, I just wanted to play like a new character, and this new character is going to wind up very similar to the previous one.
0: (laughs) I've seen that, I've seen that most in Call of Cthulhu games. I don't know why. Maybe it was just the player pool I had.
1: Maybe? I don't know. I haven't actually seen... I, strangely enough, have not seen anybody die in a Call of Cthulhu game.
2: Wow. Uh... I didn't... Uh, were you playing it wrong? (laughs) No, it it was just the, uh,
1: the module that was being chosen in certain levels of luck on certain things. Like, anytime... Like, failed tons and tons of roles for you know uncovering new information had a couple of uh you know storylines that just didn't go anywhere because like 10 plus rolls in a row to investigate information just never picked up any clues
2: oh i see so so you survived all of cthulhu by sticking your head in the sand and screw and looking at the dirt <laughs>
1: No, it was more survived it by like basically. Oh, there, there's like a monster around. We have to find the monster, and we go looking like under every freaking like rock imaginable, except the one place where it actually is.
2: Oh, so what? What happens is the <laughs> the monster's just sitting ten feet off screen <laughs> and going. Do you think? Do you think they're gonna look over here? No. Yeah. <laughs> let's just let's just keep talking. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, like, so wow. when it when it came to like life and death situations, everybody always rolled well. But when it was a situation where somebody like where it was trying to find something to get us killed in the first place, just seemed to miss it. It's a very luck heavy game, like insanely luck heavy, and that's kind of why I have some major issues with it.
2: Yeah, no, I, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I'm sure it was a very bad game, but the but the the shot God, like hiding behind the curtains while you're while you're like checking over every film for evidence of it is just way too amusing to me.
0: Uh-huh.
2: <laughs> I was... <laughs> I
1: like, okay. For example, we're on a on a uh a sea cruise and. During like the climactic battle thing, there was like a bunch of stuff going on and one of the things was outside the ship. The ship was basically uh, going to be sinking because there was like a sea monster outside attacking the ship and I really wanted to go outside to see it. And I could not figure out how to go outside because the ship was like a maze and there's like people everywhere and damage and it's like... I failed a bunch of roles, so I never got. I never got to go outside the ship to see the monster.
0: What in the crazy GM was what the hell? What? <laughs> what is this? that's okay. So that campaign is almost a Call of Cthulhu campaign. <laughs> that's such a that's such a that's all that's so weird. That's such a Lovecraftian game of Call of Cthulhu. It's it's almost an wow. That's like the mat, like that's like the mat. You experience the maximally Lovecraftian Call of Cthulhu that's like frustratingly opaque, <laughs> <laughs> and, and like you don't get to see the monster ever. And like you're just kind of like, but I wanted to. I wanted everything to be crazy and weird, and you're just like, no, it's it's you're on a ship that's sinking and it's Victorian, and er- no, everything no, life is no, just sort of no.
1: We no. totally got to see like smaller monsters, like there was.
0: No, but that's a not to see the, the big one not the big one no
1: good. Well, there's, see, an... the... there's another one that I did get to see but the character because of the roles they made does not they basically had insanity in the sense that they basically are like yeah no it's totally just a, a normal person honest that, that's how normal people normally act they just split into like a
2: thousand bugs that,
1: that's totally just normal Happens saw, all the time.
2: I saw this weird dog today. It had it had sixteen eyes, but you know, I guess that's not that weird for a dog. Lots of dogs have sixteen eyes.
1: Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just this. This was actually a, a fairly large written campaign, like that the, the GM had purchased. Like it it was a big campaign with which covered a very long period of time and. Uh, that was like the lead up to a larger portion of the campaign. That was just like the introduction thing was quite a few sessions on like this cruise liner, just trying to get to the place.
0: Wait, was it uh, masked Jirnir I
1: might have been. I'm not sure off the top of my head.
0: I think there's, cause there's, I know there's a cruise liner section in that. Cause I, I tried to run that too, but they never left the U S because, because, uh, they're I guess I don't know, they were playing it like it was D and D. No, I mean they weren't really. They were being cautious, it just didn't go well. <laughs> I, anyway, I, I
1: we... don't remember off the top of my head, but anyway, conflict. yeah. It's like point mm-hmm. is like mm-hmm. a the point of the conflict, I think, within like the game sphere anyway, is you wanna get to the interesting points. Mm-hmm. And you, the interesting points are usually what happens because of the conflict. Like, the conflict's resolution is bad things happen, or maybe good things happen. Something interesting happens, which is something that a lot of games have moved very heavily towards in like the last decade or so. Like, before that, it was like, oh, you rolled and nothing happened. It's like, well, that was. Boring. Now it's now there's almost a nearly universal at this point rule of thumb that you do not rule unless interesting things can happen because of the role,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it, it it's almost universal that we're also adding in more than just success and failure, but like you succeed but or you fail but kind of Mm -hmm. situation and those are the interesting points where conflict can go and they're generally where we want to go on a regular basis if we can
2: absolutely i
3: think it adds more color to the whole uh outcome like the whole purpose of the conflict is to generate that like i don't know uh somewhat unpredictable outcome and i think the more diversity or like the spread of outcomes that are possible make it more exciting it's not just yes or no it's gray area so
1: Mm -hmm. yeah I think that's probably one of the most important parts of just conflict in general at this point in games is conflict says you are in a situation where something interesting can potentially happen how do we get to the interesting part right so even if you're in like social situation like say the way i've set up social stuff in my game like yeah you can potentially hit a stalemate if you dawdle around too long and don't really do anything eventually the person might just lose their patience and be like i'm not dealing with you anymore but there is a much higher chance that you will piss them off to the point that they actually attack you or maybe you'll get them so they're completely disloyal to uh whichever faction they were related to like making a soldier abandon their post stuff like that like the the interesting parts vastly outweigh the chance of you just basically where their patients then and they just start ignoring you or trying to make you go away but even that can potentially be interesting depending upon the situation dead air also it's 20
3: past. Ah! yep I had to check. Yep. So uh Cavour, just to ask you about how, how do you do you have a, an approach when you're designing your games about where to look for the conflict and the kinds of story Okay. War?
2: Okay. Oh god, let's see if I can actually make these words go here. I've been really slacking on the on that in the on this podcast for the past in the entire runtime. Uh uh anyway, uh so generally speaking i will try to steer things towards the types of conflicts that make sense for re- resolving problems in the context of like who the characters are and what is supposed to be the, their motivating factors uh, generally speaking i prefer proactive games although i j- just finished doing a playtest of a game where the entire gimmick is that uh PCs are basically setting up. Uh, how should I phrase this? Basically, the PCs are just setting, putting things in place so things don't get wrong, and, don't go wrong, and subjecting themselves to the. And whether things go wrong or not is subjected to the random whims of the universe and, like, outside of what, what their preparations could handle, and just seeing where things break down and that and the conflict in that is strange because it takes a very weird uh for like kind of distant relationship with what the consequent, what the conflict is it's more looking at okay here are the consequences let's work back to figure out like let's work back to figure out how things went wrong and where and where we can try to and what we can try to do now that we have a list of problems but that's in really in the most and de- it's the real focus on de-escalation instead of escalation which is really weird for a role-playing game and i don't know if i described it very well but that's fine because the game doesn't deserve to be described very well because <laughs> it is currently unplayable anyway <laughs> What's well,
3: a really interesting way of looking at it? Very much like, what are the kinds of consequences
2: that I want players
3: to encounter? What are the kinds of uh, stakes that might be up for uh, yeah.
2: risk? Yeah. What and then what? What conflicts what, generate that? Uh, yeah. But the main yeah to to clarify my point so that it's actually so I have an actual core mm-hmm. uh, statement. One of the first things I try to build into a game is what do I want the, the relevant stakes to be, and then I work backwards to make a game around that. Uh, which is why PPTA is a really good format for me, because, you know, uh, it, it's very easy to engineer their basic moves, to point them in certain directions, and modulate the effectiveness of, uh, say, trying to solve all your problems with violence. Sometimes that's perfect. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> or-
1: I just want to point out that violence is never the answer. Violence is a question. The answer is yes.
2: Okay. <laughs> not, not always. Some sometimes you don't want to challenge. Sometimes sometimes you are a, sometimes you are a strange pre- peasant woman and you do not want to fu- challenge the dragon to violence. You want to challenge the dragon to a bake off. <laughs>
1: I mean, the dragon's been used to. The dragon's got a built-in oven
2: yeah yeah you know you'll still lose you just won't die. you just have slightly better odds uh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway what uh, uh, I still I still I think I still think that mostly about witches is probably one of the better things I've written uh, but let's neither here nor there yeah I mean. Sometimes sometimes it's uh, in that in the particular game I'm referencing, you didn't piss off the dragon. The dragon just li- uh, lives outside your er, house, uh, your your little farming village and uh, they act and they stole some they stole some sheep and you need to make them apologize for stealing the sheep and somehow like keep the farmer that they stole them from from starving because they stole the sheep. Because they were hungry. Because they're a dragon. That's hilarious. <laughs> yep.
3: Um, any other ways that we can consider uh, designing or uh, considering conflict in RPGs?
1: Well, I think an important thing to keep in mind is that basically any conflict you get is sort of interchangeable but not quite so like the concept of like man versus nature the idea of like oh you're going to be crossing this desert or this mountain range or whatever that is a form of conflict but it doesn't necessarily mean that you should use the same resolution system that you did for uh, combat or talking to somebody, stuff like that. So I would probably say figure out which types of conflict are going to matter the most in the game that you're working on and for the ones that stand out the most like this is going to be an integral part of the game it we have to make sure that this is very important to it those ones should probably get their own unique resolution and mechanic systems built around them because that's what the game is about if the thing uh, I, that the game is most centrally focused on does not have anything built around it. That that's a
2: little awkward. It's not what's being focused on, uh, whether you think yeah. it or whether you think so or not. Uh, what I also want to add to that is, uh, you want if you are trying to capture the feeling of something. Uh, one of the biggest functions of mechanics is to try to get try to inject flavor and feeling into something. So. And making it stand out, so if you want to, the game to primarily be about something, then yeah, you should make it feel different than doing different things. Of course, the, I also say this is a pretty big fan of Blades of the Dark, which uh, is all about treating, ev- treating a lot of things the same, and just uh, having a framework that models things and using the fiction to inform what it does and the reason which god what's my point here because i had a very distinct point the the distinct point is if you're how blades builds emulation and like what is important is it decide is deciding okay what type of skills do you have like is this focused on and what type of resources are you trying to gain kind and like what are the penalties for what you're doing these all build like context and formation of ideas and give you an idea of basically supplement the need for uh the for building unique and interesting mechanics for everything but that's not really discussion for today and
3: well i think that's pretty key for for designing them because it's really the focus of how you approach uh creating or or building around conflicts is your in your game um yeah. Yeah. and uh, i know for what uh i wanted to do with praxis was to make sure that the game could flow through The various kinds of conflicts, because it's an open game, that I wanted to make sure that uh, whatever the players decide is their main goal or their main struggle, um, that the game mechanics could allow them to flexibly use that, whether it is combat focused or whether it is exploration or dialogue. Um, So I think it sort of sacrifices some of the kinetics, maybe, of the the granularity and that aspect of being very focused in on a specific type of conflict, but I think it allows you to focus in on what the game wants to do, which is more of an exploration of character and what it means for you to go through those those elements of conflict. Um, so I, I think there's sort of an aspect of choosing what, what it is that your game's identity really is, how conflict inserts itself into that game, and then building around that.
1: Not just that, but also um... One thing is the the way the nature of the concept of the game is also mm-hmm. kind of important. So, like, for example, one, one thing that stood out really heavily when I was working on, like, all of the conflicts set up in my game was I really wanted to emphasize the idea that it's not up to luck. Like, for the most part it's almost entirely up to your your choices and decisions Mm -hmm. you might have to make decisions that suck it it's not that oh there's no choice it's like there's always a choice you just may not like the choices that are presented right and making shitty decisions sucks to a degree but at the same time it's also interesting because you do get a choice in it like choosing how you fail is actually kind of more fun than just failing because oh i rolled poorly right
0: like Yep.
1: it can be very frustrating it's like you know it, it is the nature of like the the moral question of like the trolley problem like if you don't touch the lever, like five people die. If you if you change the lever, only one person dies. But it was your choice. You literally killed that person because you made the choice to, to pull the lever, kind of thing. It's right. like I saved five lives. Well, technically four lives. But I mean, a net of four lives were saved, but it was by my hand that somebody lost their life and it's like it's one of those things that it it's a difficult and frustrating uh thing to do but this actually like i went through and made sure that like almost everything in the game is set up so that your choice is far more heavily weighted than uh any kind of luck like luck only really comes into play if you're into a situation where you have made the choice not to put more time and effort into stacking things in your favor so that you're in a situation where you're basically on par with some like the difficulty of what you're facing Because you can almost always stack things more in your favor. somehow. it's just, do you consider this to be worth the extra effort that it takes to, to put this into this position?
0: Yeah, Or do you have time, right? I mean, because yeah. it's, it's, it's interesting that we both developed our games in parallel, like, but that they're, the systems were always about like, yeah, what do you, what do you want to give up here? Like you don't if if you fail you're you're sacrificing something or you're sacrificing something to get what you want and because you didn't get enough but you want you need the thing right so what what can you let go and then what and then the game is asking like well okay so what effect does that have what are the second order effects of that and then
2: who else mm-hmm. is upset
0: and all that stuff so but yeah it's it's interesting we have these that we we came to like this this sort of convergent idea that, like, it's much more interesting to have players narrate that kind of thing for themselves and make those choices for themselves than have those choices thrust on them. Like, it, 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 it's it's the it's, distinction between that feel-good moment and the moment of letdown. And it's, it's I don't know how...
1: Well, you've kind of... It's engagement,
0: ahead. but yeah, go ahead.
1: Part, go. I think part of the reason we came at this for similar in similar ways was you've got a very esoteric like weird kind of setup like a very metal setup but it's also very post-apocalyptic as well Mm -hmm. so you've got this setup where terrible things are going to happen and i have a similar concept that in that i specifically find the most interesting parts of a game are when the players are in uncomfortable situations and their characters as well so it's like one of the most uncomfortable situations you can be in is the uncomfortable situation that you are directly responsible for all of your problems this is your own damn fault you have nobody to blame but yourself everything that led you to position where you are you caused. You can't blame fate. You can't blame luck. You can't blame anybody else. You did this. It was your choice. Now what? And it's like, that's a really uncomfortable position. Like, a game like D&D is surprisingly lighthearted in comparison. Like, if you're going to put the players into a position where they know that when everything goes to hell, it's their fault. That is not a nice thing to do to play. It is actually kind of terrible to do this, but it also leads to very interesting and fun situations. It's just when you're in a situation where you have the potential for growth, you don't really get to a position for growth unless you're willing to, to deal with the unpleasant situations that go with it. Like, if you're going to grow as an individual, you have to admit that, yeah, there, there's a problem on your end that you could have done something better. And unless you have that admission that you could have done better then you're not really going to improve in almost any situation. There are exceptions, but not a lot of them. So, if you have a game where the concept is let's make the players actually grow in some way other than or at least make the play- the characters grow in some way other than you gained a level, you're going to wind up with some Pretty nasty situations, and the players having to make the choices themselves.
0: Yep. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's 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 the fun part, right? It's, I mean, it's engineering, in a sense, engineering those moments in a story that are that are fulcrums uh, around which the the plot turns. Right. That's that's the idea it's like you have these moments where the characters are making their choice and we're zeroing in on that moment and saying like, okay, what do you do? But that's, that's how is that? Okay. So how, how, <clears throat> this is what I've been trying to sort of wrap my head around and maybe this, this is because there are different kinds of conflict resolutions. We were talking earlier. There's the, um, D and D's mode of conflict conflict resolution is is, uh, you know, I want to use this skill to overcome this obstacle. Do I do it? Yes or no. Yeah. Uh, and the, a, in contrast to Power by the Apocalypse is, I take this fictional action which triggers this p- particular mechanic, which gives me roughly one of three outcomes, generally speaking. Um, <laughs> it, and, which, and those outcomes being largely positive, largely negative, or mixed. Something like that, right? You either get the thing, hmm. you fail, you fail the thing, you get some better, whatever it is. Um, the way hours are working are, we're not focusing on those particular moments of like, what skill do you choose to overcome this obstacle? Or what move did your fictional action trigger? We're like, what consequence do you want your choice to have? Right. And then, and then pulling out the rest of the story from that moment.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, that goes back to my personal experience as like both a player and a and a GM. Is mm-hmm. that like I've I've heard people say that if you just let players like determine the outcome of what happens, they will they will always succeed, and to some degree, that's true, but only if you let them. It's more so that i found the dice cannot fuck the players over nearly as well as they will fuck themselves over. Like, if you really want to make terrible, terrible things happen, when the players say, I want to do X, you say, okay. And you don't ask, are you sure about that? <laughs> You just let them, okay? That's what you want to do, okay? Yeah. You're gonna regret it, but <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> I'm not gonna tell you that. You're gonna find that out on your on the hard part yourself. But I mean that that's part of the fun. I find is the logical consequences of your actions. You did something stupid. Let's see what. Well, you played stupid games you win stupid prizes (laughs) and are you calling your game stupid i mean to a degree i guess (laughs) but the point is like when you have these situations where you lead the player like you don't really need to even lead the players that heavily like you just need to give them enough rope to hang themselves like give them a lot of options um group the options so that they don't suffer from like analysis paralysis just say okay you have some choices here's some choices that are available or i prefer like here are some tools you figure out what to do with them and they will create all the conflict in the world all by themselves (laughs) they're really good at it. it like one thing you can guarantee is that people like your players will destroy everything like any plans you set up as a gm the players will destroy it any mechanics you set up as a game designer the players will find a way to break it anything that the players come up with they will find a way to break it on their own (laughs) like you don't really need to worry about creating conflicts so much as you need to worry about putting setting them up so that they have i suppose just the opportunity to make a choice because they will make the worst choice whatever it is
2: not always true i, I sometimes play but
1: always just, true but
2: often when a, yeah no. Uh, as long as you ensure that they don't have an <laughs> i win button <laughs> in like a, a way to dance around things because some because sometimes you you play with people who are good at it Cut weasley our way out of conflict. Anyway, what I was going to say is mostly there. It's like I don't entirely disagree with you, if that's how that came across. What I was going to say is, you need to give them enough power so that they can reasonably uh, hurt themselves. Like I don't actually think that D and D really and truly gives the players enough uh, productive agency. To create a device that can destroy themselves, are, generally not. Are, Ge- I, I think you're right. Generally exceptions. not. There, there are there are exceptions if you intentionally design the world wrong, as a Joker, pl- Frank. Like if you Sorry? if you get if you tell them if you put a if you put them in between three giant hell demons, then yes, they can kill themselves pretty easily. But well, I, mean, gonna, I
1: mean, more so in the sense of things like the wish spell. Like, that is a prime example in D&D, that if you give the players access to a wish, they're gonna screw themselves over somehow. Yeah, and as Sabrina says, that's a level nine spell. You don't really get access to it until the very end of the game. And in fifth edition, they've neutered it so heavily, it's actually kind of hard to hurt yourself with it. But it's like... Like you were saying, Kevara, D&D doesn't really give the players enough agency to really screw themselves over a lot of the time.
2: Like, it, the, yeah. like the main way it does, like, that's not true is in per- conditions where, like, people would say, Oh, you just, you, this encounter was super over-tuned, and they, and it's easy to blame that. That's just because they antagonize the goddamn dragon, because, it <laughs> <laughs> but... Like, that is a way D&D can destroy yourselves with your agency, but that's not really like that feels like the game is failing instead mm-hmm. of it, you actually destroying yourself with your agency, if that makes sense. Correct. I just wanted to put that clarification right there. Yes, I know levels exist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes,
0: yes. Uh, I had a thought, and as soon as I thought about D anD D, it vanished. I'm sorry, I, did, I didn't. mean. <laughs> yeah. No, no, it's okay. <laughs> uh, no, I was just, I was just gonna, I was gonna pursue that that idea of like the idea of that we're choosing consequences, or we're we're forcing the players to choose between sets of consequences. Really, is what we're doing. It's not like, it's not like we're saying here's you can have any outcome you want. We don't say that. We say, yeah. you can have the outcome you decide to have, but that has repercussions in other places. Like there's a limit limitation on resources or time or both or you know whatever limitations that are imposed, or you know there's just too many things opposing you in the moment, there's too many factors stacked against you, and you can't marshal enough to get there. Um, you know, do you want to try and do it anyway? Hmm. We we you know both Cat and I say yeah. We let we're going to let you. Uh, I and... find
1: it's an interesting part of the game.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Camp said a story of my life. I had a thought, and then I thought of D and D. Yeah. Well, <laughs> man. Yeah, that that happened for sure.
2: Anyway, what I was like, going to say. The, the 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 statement about um choice uh the like you giving them choices is important because if you just say that they can do whatever you're ain't not providing them with much of a game it, <laughs> like you're making them do all the hard work themselves which there is a point to writing these things I thought <laughs> but sorry that's not relevant to your games but uh also the the structures that you put there are important for how you conflict exists and what is important. I feel like mentioning that and getting back to that isn't is valid. Sorry for the weird derail, that I. Okay, that was the end of my statement. I'm I'm sorry. The. <laughs> if if, does anybody else have anything they want to say or should we wrap up because we're at an hour 45 already yeah Uh, i think i covered everything i was going to say
1: no other thing that i'd want to mention is just one more correlation between like rob's game and mine is the fact that we mostly focus on the conflict being decided by the players like they choose what conflict they want to face instead of being like oh you're just strung along on like this quest and the quest is to do something that the king wants you to do it's more like no the conflict is within yourself you are the problem you need to solve yourself (laughs) Mm -hmm. and that gives you all sorts of terrible things to deal with but as long as you're like the walk, like you are the walking conflict, it always follows you. You can't get away from it. You can't go someplace else. Like mm-hmm. it's always there because you brought it with you. So, I think that's a particularly interesting type of contra- conflict to to play. But mm. I mean. Other people may not agree, but I'm I'm pretty sure people so far have been interested in it. So Well, I,
0: yeah. I agree because I mean that's my it's my game too. Oh I mean mine is more like the yeah, the conflict is within you and also it was within everybody else and also all the people like you who had that conflict had this impact upon the world and now it's doing this thing and you're like, No, but wait and but I was the thing contributed to the thing but i didn't think i was i didn't think it was that going to be that bad and it's like nope everybody does it it's really it's really gnarly uh and modeling that modeling conflict like modeling the scale of individual action leading to the shifts in the greater structure i have been finding kind of interesting to do uh i mean you
1: basically have it set up so everyone in your game plays robert oppenheimer <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, uh, you could you could you could oppenheimer was the uh <clears throat> sabrina's asking for those who are not familiar oppenheimer was the uh leader of the manhattan project that developed nuclear weapons uh famous for the quote and i uh so I, I, uh, r- I recall from the scripture the hindu scripture the bhagavad-gita when lord shiva takes on his destroyer form now i am become death destroyer of worlds yeah yeah i mean it's a that's a pretty b- baller move quoting the bhagavad-gita in like the 50s
1: yeah but it was fitting at the time like
0: Mm -hmm. Like,
1: I just got to see the results of, like, the first uh, nuclear test. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. What were we thinking?
0: Uh Uh-huh. Well, there was a percentage of the scientists thought, like, you know, there's a decent chance this this could just ignite the atmosphere and that would be it. Let's set it off anyway.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, (laughs) worst case... I mean, worst case scenario, it's not... See, here's the thing. If you make a big enough of a mistake, you don't have to deal with the consequences for very long. Right. That's a good place we, to end this, I think.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Much like this podcast. All right. Is well, it, I'm implying it's a large mistake that we <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: No we, Good uh, Good night, everyone.